I call myself an educator because we all know what toxic people do. If I said to any one of the people that are listening today that are in or have been in some type of toxic relationship, and I said, write down everything they do, they would write 15 pages. But it was not until I understood why they do what they do that I was able to take my power back. So if you look at my logo, and every logo is supposed to mean something, obviously, my logo has four sections. And those are the four sections of how I teach. Education leads to understanding, which leads to empowerment, which leads to your freedom. So if, if there's people listening that are like, oh my gosh, this lady is talking about my life right now. What do I do next? Educate yourself on why they do what they do. And I have a podcast that does a lot of education. I have a lot of different resources for that. But as soon as you understand them, you take their power away. Hello, and welcome to Mighty Talks Podcast. I'm Leslie, and here at Mighty Talks, we're dedicated to providing an outlet, support system, resources, and education to all those suffering from some sort of prolonged physical or emotional pain. Mighty Talks will allow you to bring power back to your life by optimizing overall health and wellness. We are here to live our best life together. No more excuses, no more hiding, and no more suffering. We're here to finally take control, advocate, and allow you to achieve your greatest desires. So join along in conversation, and if you like what you hear, please hit the like and follow button. Here with us today is Dr. Heidi Brock. Dr. Heidi is a true force of nature. She has turned her past into her absolute passion. Dr. Heidi spends her time and energy in educating, coaching, and supporting those struggling from toxic, narcissistic, and abusive relationships. She's a chiropractor by trade and has served in healthcare for over 20 years but her true passion is in helping others make themselves a priority and to strengthen the confidence and self-worth of those who are feeling torn down. She has been featured in both Forbes and Time Magazine for her amazing work. She has her own podcast called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Plus, she is currently working on her Toxic Relationship Conference, which will be held in St. Louis, this September of 2020. She is one heck of a woman and I am so thrilled to have her here today. Our relationships are either helping or draining us and Dr. Heidi is here today to help free us from the control and criticism of others so that we can live our best lives. So grab a pen and paper, tune in and get excited about this one. It's Dr. Heidi here with us all today on the Mighty Talks podcast. Hello, Dr. Heidi. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. I actually just got finished doing one of my own podcasts, so we'll see if my voice lasts. You are podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. I am super excited to share you and all of your knowledge with everybody listening here today. Well, good. I'm excited to be here. We've got 
I've got a lot to talk about, but I always have a lot to talk about. (laughs) I love it. So I met you just what a couple weeks ago and I thought you were fascinating. (laughs) So what I find interesting is you worked in healthcare for decades. You were a chiropractor by trade, if I remember right. Yep. And you found yourself helping others come work through toxic relationships and narcissistic abusive relationships. And I, there's not many people that that is their focus. And I think all of us are surrounded by some sort of relationship in our life that challenges us. So how did you get into this realm of work? Oh, how long can the podcast be? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Well, this, I I always, when somebody asks me this, I always have to say, I did not pick my mission. My mission picked me. And I'm already getting tears in my eyes. But yes, I did 23 years as a chiropractic uh, physician, acupuncturist. And um, 12 of those years, I was in a marriage that was very unhealthy for me. And upon leaving, I moved four hours away. Um, I basically ran away from my former life. Uh, This is going to sound terrible to the listeners. So if they need an explanation further than what they hear, they can message me. But when I left, I left my business. I left my kids. I left everything I had worked for for 12 years and basically ran away. Um, When I was in that relationship, I did not realize what I was in. I knew something was wrong, but the longer you're in it, the more normal it becomes. I just, I knew I couldn't do it and I was not being a good example for my kids. And so in 2009, I left and I moved to St. Louis, which was four hours south of where we were living. And I started over and I started a chiropractic office because when you have a chiropractic degree, that's really your only option. And So I started over here in 2009 and in 2014, I just needed to add something, you know, you kind of get to where I can adjust people in the dark with my eyes shut. And so I just wanted to start adding maybe some coaching of some type and I had done meal planning and workout stuff. And so I decided to start coaching in, in women making themselves a priority because I knew that was something that I was never able to do when I was in my former life in an unhealthy relationship. And as I started pursuing that avenue, the people that were coming to me, I started finding out were coming out of or were in relationships like I had once been in. So I hired a business coach because I really enjoyed the coaching. And as a chiropractor, I never marketed and I didn't, I just was referral based. And she said, um, as everybody listening knows, everybody is coaching. So if you're going to coach, you're going to need a niche. And she said, let's think about it for a week and come back and let's decide what, what your niche is. Well, I have nothing but healthcare. And um, so I just told her, well, this is going to seem crazy to you because nobody really understands this, but this is what I went through. And this is really the only thing I have. And she said, perfect. That's what you're coaching in. And I was like, yeah, definitely not. I didn't talk about that when I was in it. I haven't talked about it for five years. I'm certainly not going to start advertising that. And she kind of challenged me to start putting some of that stuff on my coaching page. And my Facebook coaching page doubled in about two months. Not that it, not that it was huge. 
uh, to begin with, but I was putting up character traits of the toxic person. And immediately I could tell that people were seeking this information. And so I, I wrote, I wrote a full program. I have a full healing um, and self-discovery program. And I do private coaching now. I do group coaching now. I do national conferences now. And I just retired six weeks ago from chiropractic. And I am now doing the toxic relationship awareness and healing full time. That is amazing. Wow. I mean, I, I can imagine that helping people in a sense that personally affected you in such a strong way is an amazing, empowering feeling. It's giving me chills just thinking about it. You know, I think the biggest thing is it makes my past make sense sure. because I remember being in that relationship thinking, what did I do to, to be in this type of situation? Like I always felt like I was a good person. I always felt like I was nice and I could not figure out what I did to deserve where I was other than bad choices when you're young, obviously. Um, and I think doing this really makes my past make sense. And and it's about me being the person that I needed when I was going through it is kind of where I've dedicated myself. It's uh, amazing. And I love, I've played around on your website quite frequently and I love your mission, which is to make aware as many as I can about the toxic relationship, provide programs to educate and strengthen the confidence and self-worth of those that feel torn down and be a happy inspiration of hope to those who are yet trapped within this cycle. And I think it's so profound because like you said, many of us that are in that type of struggle accept it as normal. And until I think we step back and kind of reassess our own worth that I think we realize that the toxicity what it's doing to us. And mm -hmm. I love that. I loved your mission because I think it's empowering for so many people, men and women, young and old to just find the power within you. And I think you feel like you don't have it when you're in a situation like that. You feel like, you know, your power has been taken from you. So it's, it's digging deep to find it. Cause I know I had to dig to find it. Absolutely. And I guess for me, what does a toxic relationship look like? Um, and I know that we've talked before, it's, you know, intimate relationships kind of ding first in the brain, but can toxic relationships occur in all types of settings and relationships? Yes, and I always preface anything when I'm, when I'm starting an education program or I'm starting a, a conference or a presentation, I always make sure that people know a few things background wise. So I'm just gonna do those really quick. Absolutely. A toxic relationship or toxic person, when I use that term, I just use it as a blanket phrase. And because a toxic relationship is any relationship that is unhealthy for you in the state that it's in. Okay, so toxic person and toxic relationship doesn't necessarily mean that, that these are bad, horrible people. It just means that in the situation that you're in, and the status of the relationship, it's not healthy for you. Because something ironic, somebody would not be toxic to you unless they were close to you. Because the mean checker at the grocery store, even if they're toxic, doesn't affect you at all. Right. 
So it's not until you've invested into a relationship or you have to spend time with a coworker or you were born into it that somebody becomes toxic to you. And it's because the time and the investment that is put into the status of that relationship where somebody becomes toxic. The other thing, which you might have this on the list, but we all have toxic traits. So it's not like John's toxic and Steve's not and Mary's toxic and Beth is not. We all have the capability of showing toxic traits. It's when they are in a repetitive cycle used to manipulate or take advantage of another is where the traits become something that we don't like to talk about, but that's when a toxic relationship becomes abusive. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting the first time that we had talked. And actually, I, in, in answer to the second part of your question, yeah. When I, when I started this, I was going to do females getting out of toxic marriages because I really felt like that's where my experience was. Five years later, toxic relationships are in every race, every culture, every religion, every social class. They are in intimate partner type relationships. They are in friendships. They're in social circles. They're in work type environments and they're in families. So, so now Toxic is toxic and toxic people are all seeking the same thing. And I work with people out of every single one of those categories today. Wow. And like I said, I, I think the first time we had talked, I thought it was amazing when you said anybody has the ability to be toxic. It's just that repetitive behavior that makes it potentially damaging to the other person. Yep. It's amazing. And I guess for me, the question that I've always thought, like you said, you found yourself in a very damaging marriage and you're like, I, I know I'm a nice person and I do well for others. And why is it that often empathetic, nice, warming, high achieving people find themselves maybe more victim to toxic relationships than others? So a lot of times I'll hear people call, they'll schedule a session with me and they'll say, I don't, I don't know what my problem is but I keep picking the wrong people. And then, you know, people tease them about their picker being broken and they're, you know, they don't have a good sense of who they're supposed to be dating or who they're supposed to be, be friends with. And one of the first things I make very, very clear is toxic people function completely different than somebody who is empathetic. A toxic person in general is insecure on the inside. Now, don't worry so much about why they're insecure because if they're grown adult, they're responsible for that. Sure. But in order for a toxic person to feel secure, they need a steady supply of four things. They need to feel attention, admiration, power, and control. So if you're a person that's seeking attention, admiration, power, and control, what type of person are you going to seek out to be in a relationship with? it's going to be a good, kind, caring, loving, empathetic person. Oh, absolutely. So if you're healthcare professionals and service-oriented people are my number one clientele, you know, the cosmetologists, the nail techs, the, anybody who's in therapy, anybody who is in the healthcare realm, we have already chosen a, a people service industry. So we are high targets for people like that because we already have that. We want to help. We want to fix. We want to support you type of mission. 
So when, now when I teach people, because we know that good, kind, caring, loving people are targets, it's my, if, when, when a client hires me, it is my job to make sure that you know the character traits of the toxic person. Because even if I help you get out of one relationship, you're going to walk out on the street and you still have a target on your back because you're still a good, kind, caring, loving person. So this was not the last toxic person that is going to attract to you. So I make sure that anybody that, le that is leaving my program knows the character traits, knows how to spot red flags, and number one, knows how to choose themselves without always giving the benefit of the doubt and wanting to be better and fix people. We have to, at some point, put ourselves first. Yeah, and I think that's like the part that makes you so unique is that it's not just fixing the current situation, but amping up the individual to have success in the future and happiness, which I thought was just really awesome about you is that you focused on, like I said, not just the current situation, but having a future that's really hopeful. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a certain degree of excitement when somebody makes the decision to cut somebody out of their life or remove themselves from a toxic relationship. And that's good and fine. But what they don't realize is the aftermath is twice as hard as the actual cutting off. Mm. Because the to toxic people are identity thieves. They're emotional controllers and identity thieves. So when you do cut yourself off, depending on the severity or the length that you were in an unhealthy environment, there's a lot of self-discovery and there's a lot of rebuilding and there's a lot of unprogramming that you do. So I never help them out of a relationship and disappear. I don't want people dependent on me, but I always make sure that, that they're good and they're ready to go before they ever decide I'm done talking to Dr. Heidi, which I'm not even sure that any of them are ever really done because they <laughs> always check back in. But, but the self-discovery that I had to do when I first left, I, there was not one thing about me that was the same as the person that I had been before that relationship. Um, I couldn't even order off of a menu. My decision-making ability had been so dictated by somebody else that it would literally give me anxiety to have to order off of a menu. Wow. So when you think about even simple stuff like that, going through the big decisions you have to make after leaving is way too overwhelming for a lot of, a lot of people to do without a little bit of self-worth and self-confidence work. Wow. That's so profound for you to say that. And I know you said it's super important to know the character traits that a toxic person often has. And what are some of those um, characteristic traits that you see in a toxic person? So backing up to what I was talking about a few minutes ago, toxic people in general are insecure. So in order to feel secure, they need to feel the control, the power, the attention and admiration. And to feel those four things, they use a whole series of what I call tactics. Some people call them red flags. Um, sometimes I call them character traits. And you can Google this. This is nothing Dr. Heidi wrote. This is nothing I came up with. You can Google character traits of a toxic person and you will get a million articles. Um, in my program, I have 21 character traits of the toxic person because I wanted to be speaking from experience. I wanted to make sure that I had examples for the ones that I had. So it's these character traits that they use to gain control, to feel secure. 
and their character traits like um, there's there's a few of them that you will feel constantly throughout a relationship or you know a coworker situation always having tension when that person is around a little bit heightened anxiety um, the feeling of not being able to make your own decisions and me not ordering off a menu didn't have anything to do with somebody telling me what I was ordering it was more telling me or asking me why I ordered what I ordered. Well, why are you having a salad? Or how come you're eating chicken? Or that's too expensive. So you very quickly learn that there's something wrong with every decision you make. So you quit making decisions because you get sick of hearing what's wrong with them. Um, crossing your boundaries. You set a boundary, they step right across it. Um, another set of traits Typically, toxic people feel better when other people are struggling. When other people are struggling, toxic people feel the power and control. They feel more put together. So your character traits like constant criticism, um, comparisons, competing with you, uh, name calling, belittling you or belittling your dreams and your goals is one of the sets to look for. Not my fault. Toxic people very seldom take responsibility. There's always somebody to blame. Um, very seldom do you get an apology unless it has strings attached to it. Um, they're very, very quick to demand respect, but don't do a lot to earn it. They just power you into respecting you. They power you into trusting them. I call it intimatrust. Huh. Just because they say you should trust them, you're supposed to trust them, even if they've done 27 untrustworthy things. And then there's a whole nother set that I look very closely at when I work with a client. Um, I call them the power traits. But when somebody comes through and takes the TPA on my website, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, I can see from the results of this test on my website what type of personality this person is dealing with so that when we get on the phone, they don't have to tell me the whole story. It's very emotional and it's very upsetting for somebody to tell me what's going on. So I use this tool so I can kind of see, but when I see somebody having a lot more of the power traits, I know we potentially have someone who can be dangerous, who could possibly be violent, who could be very, very manipulative. And so the power traits are, are things like lying, um, instilling fear, making you fearful that they're gonna get mad or they're, they're, they threaten you so that you're scared into doing what they want you to do. Uh, you feel like you have to ask permission they like to isolate you from your support systems, meaning they, they'll say things like, you know, I don't like your friends. I wish you wouldn't hang out with them. Or, you know, your family doesn't like me, so I'm uncomfortable going there. They, that way, you would rather have conflict with the people that you know support you than the person that you're, that you're in a toxic relationship with. So you tend to cut off your support system, which then makes you totally that much more dependent on the toxic person. Mm. So, so when, I look, when I look at it as a whole, when I see these results come through, I can see exactly what type of, of personality you're dealing with so that I'm, I'm already in the loop on what your life looks like. And I have become very good at predicting their behavior. I work with some family law attorneys because not, if you haven't been through it, it's very hard to understand it. Um, but I can very quickly guess what they're going to do next and, and be be very certain of what their goal is when they're doing it. I've just seen it so much. Oh, that's really, really great tips to have for sure. And I, 
I think so many of us think that if there's not violence or there's not physical abuse that you tend to accept it being okay, all the other things. But I mean, I think a lot of the emotional, the, the negative verbiage, all of that can have just as much of a damaging impact on your self-worth and the feelings that you have about yourself. I mean, I, I think that is just as strong on somebody as having physical abuse as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the visual plays into that a lot when, when you can see a bruise or you can see that there's been physical damage done, your mind can comprehend that there's pain because there's a bruise, but emotional pain and physical pain, they interact with the body very much the same. So when we have emotional pain, the body tries to protect us from that pain by stuffing it down and making us forget it. Because that's the, that's the only, if we can numb the pain, the pain will go away and we don't have to deal with it. So that's why people tend to stay in these relationships quite a long time. Because when, now this is kind of the healthcare person coming out in me, but the human body adapts. It adapts to, to sustain life. And when there's pain, the body is going to do everything it can to get you out of pain. And emotional pain is the same way. So if something hurts, we stuff it down, we forget it. We make you a little more numb so you're, you don't feel quite as much. So it doesn't seem like it's that bad now. Mm. And, and then you keep stuffing things under the rug. So you just keep letting it get worse and worse and worse. But because it's emotional pain, you shove it down and you remember the good stuff, which is also why it's very hard for certain people to leave. Right. Because your body has made you kind of get rid of the thoughts of the pain that they've caused. That when you think about leaving, the only thing you really think about is the good things because we've already numbed ourselves to the bad things. Absolutely. So, so it makes you question yourself. Well, is it really that bad? And then we like to compare ourselves. Well, it could be way worse. You know, at least, at least, at least I'm not having to experience this or that. And then we justify staying in it because we're not, we're not sure if it's abuse or if it's not abuse. And I don't do it a ton with domestic violence because there's so many, so many good programs out there. But I do know that in my experience, the system is very broken for somebody who's going through an emotionally abusive, toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. The system in general, if they don't see physical violence, then you should have just left. If it's that bad, you should leave. Why don't you just leave? So the depth that I understand these type of relationships really, really draws people to me because when you try to talk to your friends and family that aren't in a relationship like this, they absolutely don't understand how you can't just leave. I understand, I understand now I did have the free will to leave, but the toxic person in my life totally took my power away and made me feel like I could not leave, made me feel like I was stuck. Yeah. I think that the way you described it is spot on. You know, I think so many people, it's, it's like you said, you convince yourself that it could always be worse. And you question whether what you're feeling and what you're thinking is actually the situation. And like you said, it's, it's like you, you have to almost convince yourself that you're worthy of leaving and that you've almost convinced mm -hmm. yourself that is life going to be better or okay without this individual? Cause they've almost 
force you to to think a certain way. Well, and they like to convince you that you're not that you'd be nothing without them, and nobody will ever love you, or you'll never find a job if you leave this one, or you're never going to find friends. So with pot with continual reinforcement of negative, you know, verbiage like that, you know, you you tend to start accepting it as truth. So then you start thinking, well, if I leave this, what if I am alone for the rest of my life? And what if this? And what if that? And pretty soon we're so trapped by the what ifs that it's it's way easier for us to stay in something that's familiar than to step into something that we're not sure about. Even though we know it's not healthy, we still know what to expect. Where if we step out of it, you know, what if, what if I don't ever get another job? What if I never meet anybody? What if they do take the kids away from me? What if I don't have money? So we, they put all these what ifs in our head that make us worry so much about leaving that it's easier for us to stay where it's unhealthy because we're used to it. Yeah. And I, one thing that really, I, when you had talked at the Women Empowered Women Conference, um, one thing that you had talked about that really stuck with me is you know, if, if there's abuse going on and there's violence, you can, you know, instruct your client to cut off contact and it becomes, I don't want to use the word easier, but it, it, it's like a, you know, complete cutoff in order for safety to happen. But what I think sometimes is even harder are those relationships, you know, whether it be with, you know, a, a sibling or a parent, the relationships that you still, you have contact <laughs> but it's finding a boundary or finding contact that doesn't become toxic or stressful to you. And I'm sure for you, it's probably some relationships that are hard, harder for you to instruct on or to find advice about, if I would imagine. Um, in the beginning, yes. Now the instruction is pretty much the same. Um, you don't have to you know, there's so much we could talk about. We could talk till Tuesday on this stuff, Leslie. Mm -hmm. But um, in the situation that you're asking me about, you don't have to cut off everybody in your life that's toxic. But because toxic people need the control, power, attention, and admiration, if you're not supplying them with one of those, you're not going to be in their life very long. So in, let's say, um, like you mentioned, say it's a family member that you can't really cut contact because we have the 4th of July picnic and we have Christmas Eve and, you know, birthdays and such. Toxic people are emotional controllers. So they need to see a reaction, an emotional reaction to remind themselves they're in control. So if they can make you mad, if they can make you upset, if they can make you anxious, if they can, you know, if they can make you cry, all of those are emotional reactions. So when you're dealing with a family member that you know is unhealthy for you, but you know you can't cut them out, you learn to take all the emotion out of communicating with them because it's the emotion that gets them the feeling of control. And that's what I help a lot of my clients with too, rephrasing texts when we have to send a text back. We pull all the emotion out because a toxic person wants contact. They don't care if it's positive or negative. They want contact so they can elicit an emotional reaction to reassure themselves that they can control your emotions. So if, if you respond to them with no emotion, they'll notice it very quickly. And they'll probably fire back another text or you'll get another phone call. If they're not sure that that had emotion in it or not, they're going to try harder to elicit a reaction. 
Mm-hmm. So when, when you spot a red flag in somebody, you immediately, or, you know, once you know how to deal with these people, when there's a red flag, you immediately will learn to pull emotion out of anything until you're certain if this person is healthy or not. They call it gray rock. Anybody who's researched toxic relationships, it's, it's difficult because when you're researching toxic relationships, there's all these terms that then you have to research the terms so that you know what they're talking about so you can continue your research. But, and in fact, I think I have a podcast that defines all of those terms just to clarify it. But gray rock is something that they, they use as a term, be very boring. When you're dealing with a toxic person, you speak only in facts. You're very boring. You talk about subject matters that don't inflame them, AKA politics, religion, family issues. You avoid anything that they use to elicit control over you. And, and I always tell people, nobody knows when you have to use the restroom. If a subject comes up that you don't want to talk about, excuse yourself. You know, there doesn't have to be a fight. They are looking for a reaction. So if you can remove yourself or at least remove yourself emotionally, they're not going to get it. And guess who's in control now? Yes, I love that example that you gave. You gave that same example at the uh, conference that I had been with where you had spoken. And I thought that was a, a neat way to transfer the power from person to person. I like and that's, that's basically the training. It's learn to take the emotion out when you're dealing with toxic people. If you, if you don't remember anything but that from this podcast, you're a step ahead already. I love that. And I think, um, I think everybody could probably benefit from your, <laughs> your advice and your help at some point in time, because I think, I think each and every one of us at some point in time has a relationship with somebody that's involved in our lives that s- provides us stress in some sort of aspect, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what that may be. I have um, a lady just comes to mind. I've known her for a long time. Beautiful, beautiful woman. She has come to every retreat I've ever hosted. I host women's retreats in the fall and they're not so much, excuse me. They're not so much focused on the toxic relationship. They're more focused on the self-discovery afterwards, but she loved that whole self-confidence, self-worth building. So even though she hadn't had anybody toxic in her life, and I think she's been married for 27 years or something, and they have a great marriage, and, and, and everybody just loves it when this lady comes to the retreat. And she'll always say, I don't have any toxic people in my life, but can I attend the retreat again this year? And so she's always come. And after the third retreat, about two months after that, I got a letter from her, and she said, I am so thankful that I went to those because I just had a new boss come in that has all of the red flags. And if I wouldn't have been at your retreats, I would have never known how to deal with him. So she had been, you know, following me for three years before she ever was like, oh my goodness, there's one. Right. Right. And I think what, what's awesome about you, it's not like, like we've talked about before dealing maybe with a current situation, but it's finding, I think it's almost like finding yourself and finding your voice and making ourselves a priority that allows us to potentially see red flags like that woman had had done by your your experience yeah and i think too you know as um, i hate using the term people pleaser but as people that are empathetic and want to serve and want to help and want to fix and find their 
um, fulfillment in life by dealing with people. When we, we kind of basis want people to like us because that's how we function, right? But when you get a toxic person enter and, and I bet you'll be able to, to somebody will pop into your head because I bet you'll have somebody because you talk to a lot of people that you'll go, yes, this happened to me because we want to help and we want to fix, we run into a toxic person and we start compromising our values. We accept things we wouldn't normally accept. We put up with things we wouldn't normally put up with, but we are conflict avoiders. We don't want conflict. We want everybody to get along because we're the ones that fix things and we're the ones that make people happy and we're the ones that help people. So we avoid conflict. And in doing so, we tend to compromise our values. So I have an exercise that I take people through where we discover what your top values are. So then any relationship moving forward, any decision moving forward, all you have to do is put your top values up against that relationship or that decision to be sure that you're living for yourself. So you have to, you have to know yourself so well that you know when you're compromising your values. Because in my former life, there wasn't a value that I had that didn't go out the window. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's knowing yourself so strongly that no one is going to shake your values. And when that happens, you start attracting the right people into your life. I love that. And do you have any advice? I'm sure you do. (laughs) Do No, I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any advice for those listeners that maybe are listening to this podcast now and thinking like, oh my gosh, they're struggling or having anxiety or pain or stress about a, a current situation? Do you have any advice for those listeners? So I am not a therapist and I am not a counselor. I work with them very closely and I am super thankful to have them, you know, as resources that can help my clients. But what sets me apart from a therapist or a counselor is I call myself an educator because we all know what toxic people do. If I said to any one of the people that are listening today that are in or have been in some type of toxic relationship and I said, write down everything they do. They would write 15 pages. But it was not until I understood why they do what they do that I was able to take my power back. So if you look at my logo, and every logo is supposed to mean something, obviously. My logo has four sections. And those are the four sections of how I teach. Education leads to understanding, which leads to empowerment, which leads to your freedom. So if, if there's people listening that are like, oh my gosh, this lady is talking about my life right now. What do I do next? Educate yourself on why they do what they do. And I have a podcast that does a lot of education. I have a lot of different resources for that. But as soon as you understand them, you take their power away. So if you're one that's been sitting in something like I had been sitting in, but didn't realize what it was, you couldn't put your finger on exactly what was wrong. Start educating yourself because education is the key to your freedom. Love it. And that's, that's the one thing about you, I think is empowering for so many people is the education and the feeling of control over your life that you give to so many people, which is amazing. Well, and I, I use the, you know, the, the first, the day you start a job for the first time, you're at a new job you're nervous, you're anxious, you have no idea what you're doing. But, but by two weeks in, you've learned everything that you need to know about this job. 
and you understand it and you can totally take, you know, take a role in leading in that position. It's the, it's the same thing until you understand it. You're going to be the one floundering around on the first day of work. Absolutely. But it's, you know, as soon as you understand, oh, the job's no problem. Absolutely. And I thought I would ask a few questions about you because I find you so fascinating. But do you, do you have any role models that have inspired you to be resilient and get over and get through some very stressful, traumatizing parts of your life? Yes. And you're probably going to make me cry if you make me talk about this. I have two. And as you probably all have gathered, which I think I mentioned, um, my, even though I've had a series of toxic relationships in my life, the, the major one that made me make the change was a former spouse. Um, so it might be surprising to you that my top two role models are males. One, I told you, you were going to make me cry. One is the man that I'm married to now. He did for me what I'm doing for others. When he found me, I was a shell of who I had been. And he doesn't like to come on the podcast. He doesn't like to make appearances because he does not want to take, he doesn't want to take, um, what word am I looking for? He wants, he wants to know that he just supported me and I did all the work. So he likes to stay in the background, but he saved my life. And we've been married eight years in September. And the other one is my dad. And if people listen to my podcast, I talk about my dad all the time. Um, in fact, I talk about my dad so much. People ask me if my mom's still alive. Mm -hmm. My mom is alive she's wonderful she's always supported me my mother is just an introvert she's very quiet my dad is a prison chaplain my grandpa was a preacher I got that and my dad has always said no matter what don't throw away your confidence you were put out there to lead people and you were put in a position where when you thought you were struggling you were in training so this is what you're supposed to be doing. And the day I decided to retire from chiropractic, which was just six weeks ago, I was, it was in the middle of the pandemic. So I was only going in for a few patients. And I thought, why am I still doing this? There's so many chiropractors and I loved being a chiropractor, but I called my dad and I said, I think I'm going to retire at the end of this month. And thinking he'd go, well, financially, can you? And I thinking he'd throw all this stuff at me. He said, Good. I've been waiting for you to say this. This is what you're supposed to be doing. That's so powerful. I, I can connect with you on that level for sure. I mean, I've worked in healthcare for about right under 15 years. And it you do kind of, in a sense, get on this routine and you go into work. And I think some days you kind of, like you said, you can adjust somebody in the dark. And after a while, you you want to find that meaning behind what you do and I think that's what makes you so special is that you have you have a story and I always say everybody has a story not many of us are willing to share that story to help other people and I think for you it had to be entirely painful to talk about something that affected you so profoundly but in the ability to do so you've helped tons of people in their own lives which I think is absolutely amazing. Yes, I'm super, super grateful to be doing this. I, 
my husband has to stop me from working. Like I would work 24 hours a day. It's just, it's brought so much meaning, meaning into my past, but also just, just fulfillment in, you know, my life in general. I do, I do often joke that if I would have known I was in training, I would have paid a lot better attention. (laughs) And that was one of my questions. I'm like, how do you do everything you do? You coach and have clients, you have a podcast, the blogs. I've, I've read quite a bit of the blogs and I do know, which I'm, I'm hoping I can attend. You have a conference this fall in St. Louis. I believe it's in September, but how do you do everything that you do? Um, do you know that little emoji that's where the arms are up and they're just shrugging? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have no idea, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know how I do what I do, but I will, I will tell you that when, when I first left the relationship, I was scared of everything. I was scared of change. I was scared of meeting new people. I was frightened of any, you know, making the wrong decisions. And now if you talk to my best friends and ask them what I'm addicted to, they'll say she is addicted to change. She will change anything to make anything work. And I think that that, that's what keeps me going is there without change, there's not growth. And so I just, I just keep, in perspective, how can I reach more people? Because I always have to go back to my mission, you know, to educate people on the toxic relationship and how can I do that bigger and how can I reach more people and how can more people find me? The conference was rescheduled. It was supposed to be in March, but because of um, all the craziness in the world, it's now going to be in September. Awesome. I'm hoping I can attend. It's on my list of things that I would love to do for sure. Yes, you should. And how can we find you, Heidi? If people are super interested in today, how can we find you? Okay, so a couple things. I do have my own podcast as well, which we are going to have Leslie on. We have to have her on there as a guest. Um, It's called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Um, It's on all the major platforms, probably just like yours, because I think we record in the same place. Um, It's on on iHeartRadio, but you can search it by its title. Um, if you can't find it, you can, there's a link on the website that will take you to one of the, uh, one of the platforms. Uh, my website is coachingwithdrheidi.com. And I also have a online Facebook support group. It's called Strength Within. And so when you get on Facebook, you can search Strength Within. I think there's more than one group called that. So the cover picture is a white, a little white flower growing out of a gray rock. Um, but in that group, um, I think we have just about 1,500 people that have all been through or are going through a situation similar to mine. So it's a, it's a welcoming place that you don't have to explain anything because these people already get it. And of course, since toxic people want our attention all the time, I keep this support group very positive. We don't spend very much time focusing on the toxic person. Rather, we focus on forward motion from where you're at now, because you can fall into the negative cesspool and just hash over what they do and everything bad that's happening. But at some point, we we have to move forward. So that support group is a very positive, encouraging support group, um, and it's called Strength Within. Uh, You can find me on Instagram or Facebook under Coaching with Dr. Heidi. So there's plenty of ways um, to find me and get a hold of me. Wonderful. I'm going to check out that Facebook page. I, I don't think I knew about that. So I will 
I'm going to search. And I, I should mention, I am very, very careful about the, the privacy because I know in my situation, I, you know, my phone was gone through, my credit card statements were gone through. And so I, that's why my business is called coaching with Dr. Heidi and not something toxic because that, that draws too much attention. Um, so the Facebook page is private, which means anybody can search it, but nobody can see who's in it and nobody can see what's posted in it except the people in the group. So that makes people feel a little bit safer in finding some support. That's, that may be why you hadn't heard of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. Heidi, thank you so much for being here today. I Yes, thank you for having me. I was so looking forward to doing this. And like you said, I think we could talk about this for a week straight, <laughs> but I will contain myself with questions and um, I look forward to meeting you in person and I look forward to getting to know you more because I think you're just an amazing individual. Well, and we have quite a few contacts in common. So, I mean, I think we probably couldn't even avoid meeting in person eventually. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Dr. Heidi. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. It was such a pleasure spending some time with Dr. Heidi and sharing her and her knowledge with all of you. If you loved what you listened to today, well, we would greatly appreciate hearing from you. Leave us both a message or post on Facebook or Instagram at Coaching with Dr. Heidi and at Mighty Talks. And check out our website, MightyTalks.com, for more Mighty info. Thank you for spending time with us today. We'll see you next time.